Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. This season we'll be interviewing experts in sustainability and ethical living to shed a little light on the many terms used across industries, discussing the different aspects of living a conscious lifestyle and how we can do our bit to make a difference. Today on Sustainably Influenced we're talking to Andrea Chiong. She's an influencer, content consultant and founder of sustainable mask brand Fleur Rose London. Thank you so much for joining us. We're both really happy to have you on the podcast and we've followed you for quite some time now. For some of our listeners that may not know you, can you just give us a little intro to who you are and tell us a bit about your journey with mindful consumption? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been working in fashion for a few years. Before that, I was a journalist, um, again, writing about kind of like shopping guides and stuff, lifestyle. And when I was starting my blog, it really wasn't, fast fashion wasn't what it was today. It wasn't the beast it is today. And there was also no social media. So for a while, you know, there was this perception that you kept needing to create this content. You kept needing to put this new stuff out, new clothes out. And I think Instagram specifically kind of created this monster that could never be fed and I was participating in this for quite a while because that is kind of part of the job and you don't really sit back and question it and it got to the point where I looked at what I had in my wardrobe and I just thought where is all my money where's all my hard-earned money like (laughs) I can't wear most of these things. Like they're not good quality. They make me feel uncomfortable. They're itchy or they've broken or fallen apart. And it's been less than like two wears. And I also thought about how as an entrepreneur, you know, we work so hard for what we have. And when a client comes with a brief, we basically, we just have to take almost any job that fits our brand or fits our values and it just made me realize even more that we're wasting basically so much of our time and money on fast fashion so the whole mindful consumption journey actually started about spending better um, not necessarily sustainability but as I started to do in-store reviews and this was 2019 I would say thank June or July I started to do them Um, when I started to do these in-store reviews I realized that there was so much greenwashing going on and that's basically when retailers give you the impression that they are making more of a sustainable effort more of a conscious effort but in reality it's a way to sell a specific capsule collection or even sell the brand better so when I realized that this was going on it just seemed even less worth the money and so Mindful Mondays is a series I do every week on my Instagram, Flora Andrea, and it actually started about money and budgeting and just buying knowledgeably, and it's now really moved into um, a lot to do with sustainability. But I try not to use the word sustainable on my stories because I feel like that's so charged and people have their own preconceptions of what that is, when actually um, sustainability right down to its core it's just being more mindful and slower about your approach to fashion 
Um, and then all of the other elements that come into it, you know, like human rights, animal rights, environmental impact, that is obviously the cornerstones. But in order to even appreciate those, you need to figure out your perception, like change your mindset. Oh my God, I love that. Do you know what I absolutely adore? When people's journeys into being more mindful and conscious and sustainable, um, kind of because of that, comes from a different way of being. It doesn't, yeah. so you started and it wasn't because you wanted to be sustainable or an eco-warrior or anything to do with what we think of sustainability being. It's just with a natural progression because so many things fall into um, kind of that conscious consumerism. Yeah. Be that money, be that space in your wardrobe, be that, do you know what I mean? Anything, it fall into so many different categories. And I really enjoy that because I think for us, we have different reasons to why we buy the way we buy and, sh- and do the things we do now. Um, but they're both different. And yeah, it's just really exciting to see yeah to see that not everyone's on the same journey but we all have the same goals yeah 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 definitely and what you were saying about not using sustainability as a as a term on your Instagram or in your stories is that reigns true with me so much because I think to myself you can use it for a million different things and it, the meaning's almost lost when you use sustainability as a term because it encompasses so many different things And I don't think people entirely, or brands more specifically, entirely understand what it means when they say sustainable or what the actual term, the definition is and what it means to be sustainable. So I feel like there's a lot of mixed messaging going on. So it's, as you said, there's a lot of greenwashing. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of brands, because let's just all be honest, sustainability is a journey and there is no perfection. And it does mean this, it should mean the same thing to everybody, but for example, you might put more emphasis on uh, the animals. I might put more emphasis on the um, ethical labor, for example. So it's not going to be perfect to any one person. But I think the danger with the meaning of sustainability is that a lot of brands use this idea that it is a journey, because it is a journey, as a kind of cop-out. And I am sympathetic, you know, starting my own brand that I aspire to be sustainable and right now it is, but obviously as you scale, you kind of fluctuate a little bit or you have to watch out for that. So a lot of brands use this idea as, as that it is a journey um, as a cop-out. So they'll say, you know, we cannot, you know, change our entire supply chain because so many workers will be out of a job. You know, they'll use excuses like that. I mean, we could just pay them more, but, you know, never mind. <laughs> Apparently no one's ever thought of that. <laughs> um, but that aside, you know, they also say, oh, but, you know, our consumers are used to this price point and um, we don't want to lose our loyal customer base, you know. So many other reasons why they can or cannot do certain things. Um, So, you know, we don't have the inner workings of every fast fashion company out there. And I don't think it's fair to um, completely boycott. I think definitely hold accountable, definitely ask questions. And I think social media is great for that. But... I feel like as consumers, we're the ones with the spending power. Brands only care about you if they're your customer. So if they never had your money, then they're kind of not really going to care about you. So if you are the customer, I think you have more power, which is also why I feel like greenwashing is really shitty. (laughs) Uh, We all need to 
be more knowledgeable on that, including myself. However, at the end of the day, uh, unfortunately, in this capitalist society, money is your vote. So I don't think boycotting works, actually. That's really interesting. I think a lot of people share different views on that. Mm, Totally. I mean, will stopping spending with certain brands, will that encourage them to then create more ethical lines or change their change their supply chain or will us just telling these brands this is what we want rather than not spending with them maybe just actually explaining what it is that we want as consumers will that then be the force of change that we need to see it's interesting because it just it's both sides of the coin isn't it yeah talking about kind of consumption and attitudes towards shopping I'm actually writing an article on this at the moment and it's been really interesting as I'm looking at all the different trend reports and what people have really been spending on over the past year especially with the pandemic and being locked up so how has your attitude towards shopping's changed shopping changed over the year and do you think that more mindful consumption can become the norm going forward I think it definitely will be. And I think it will start from a place of wanting to budget and save money. Um, Because as much as we have compassion and we care about other wider issues outside of our lives, you know, where you put your money is where your treasure is. You've heard of this saying? Um, And it's basically pretty simple. It means where you've spent or invested your most money, that's what you really, truly care about. And I think when people are starting to budget and look for longevity and look for something a little bit more meaningful and maybe start to evaluate why they're buying um, going out dresses for three pounds online um, when there is nowhere to go out and they start to realize that, you know, retail therapy is not cheaper than real therapy, um, they will eventually gravitate towards wanting to shop better, shop smarter, and then in turn, hopefully buying better quality and natural fibers, which is really just how Mindful Monday progressed. So yeah, I think it's here to stay. I think it will be a slow process because everything about the society tells you extremes, right? Never buy um, misguided or boohoo or pretty little, never buy it, you know? It's not, which is which goes back to the the boycott thing. I mean, I don't shop there, but I'm not I'm never I'm not going to say I will never ever shop there in my entire life because I think that's pretty self righteous and um, I don't I don't really want to subscribe to that. But this is the thing: um, when it comes to mindful consumption, you cannot just give someone an extreme. You have to assume that they're probably going to do the worst, and then from there think, okay, what's a baby step out of that? For example, um, people ask me, why do I keep doing store reviews in fast fashion places when I don't want to promote fast fashion? And therefore, um, just by merely sharing it on my channel, I am promoting it. And it sounds counterintuitive, but actually this method really, really works. And when people question why they would have bought something and then they see the composition or they see how badly it's made, it does make them think twice when they go into a store. And the thing is that with mindful consumption, especially in uh, view of like this pandemic, so many people feel like they don't, they can't afford to shop sustainably. So many people, even actually middle-class people, I'm even allowed to categorize people that way. Middle-class people, especially think sustainability is expensive. They think sustainability is a luxury and it's not, it totally isn't. Um, So I think hopefully 
as people start to self-reflect a lot more, they'll realise that this is totally the case. I think this is what you said about um, people, even middle class people, thinking that sustainability is expensive shows the problem that we have between marketing sustainable goods and marketing fast fashion goods because everyone thinks it's okay to shop fast fashion and you know we've got this new narrative that working class people need to shop on boohoo.com because they can't afford other things and it's like yeah but they're buying (laughs) they're shopping going out dresses on boohoo.com pretty little thing um that like there's this weird thing that people are like you know poor people poor people can't afford you know expensive stuff and it's like that can be true but why are you buying 10 new dresses on pretty little thing much like what you said earlier when you have nowhere to go so that would save your money and solve a problem in itself I'm not gonna get into that because that's the whole twitter feud between many people but the whole idea of not being um sustainability not being affordable really irks me but it's because when we think about sustainable brands they are majority of the time expensive but it it costs to be we we know this we've had this on previous episodes we've spoken to who did we speak to harriet on the cost of sustainability and having a you know a fashion brand and trying to be sustainable because it's expensive but there are other ways to be sustainable um you can like designer things. I'm going to use my example right now because it just came in the post. So I just bought a beautiful Fendi bag um, off of eBay and it came this morning. Um, And, you know, it was a fraction of the price of a Fendi bag um, if I were to buy it in like Selfridges or wherever. Um, It's incredible quality. Like you wouldn't have known that it's even been used. And it's sustainable in the fact that where it's circular someone has used it they've had their time with it they've now given it to me or I've bought it from them I'll have my time with it I will never sell it and let it go but I will give it to someone else I'm sure in the future and that's sustainability in itself and I think we need to get into talking about secondhand clothing and secondhand shopping as if it's okay it's fashionable it's exciting because there's still a a stigma around thrifting secondhand vintage all of that and with a lot of people think it's like gross or I don't know it's what poor people do whatever it might be when it's like what yeah definitely and it's the idea not just of it being I would rather it not be fashionable I'd rather it be normal do you get what I don't want it to be something that people do it because it's trendy to shop secondhand or to be shopping at a thrift store charity shop I want it to be that I'm like you Charlotte I want it to be the norm where you would go there first and then if you can't get it then you research other avenues yeah. but it should always kind of for me especially be the first point of call now now like whenever I think as I'm on this journey whenever I want to buy anything I immediately look to a secondhand resale site first and if I can't find what I want then I may I'll look to either an ethic I'll look to an ethical brand first and if they can't do it then I'll go out to other means but it's just it's that idea of making secondhand shopping completely normal yeah and I also think it's a cultural thing because I can tell you that in Asia I used to live in Singapore no one shops secondhand and um, it's it's something that needs to be broken down and I think um, there's there's not a lot of money in secondhand and I think that's why there's not been much investment in re-educating consumers about secondhand and um, 
kind of marketing it as a little bit more sexy. But I can see maybe specifically in London that uh, quite a few influencers with great style, you know, either have their own vintage curation or secondhand curation. And um, I actually know a influencer that gained her following because she was so big on Depop, you know, selling secondhand uh, things that she would curate at markets and stuff. So I, I do think it's on the rise. I think it's um, cultural. And I think, you know, hearing feedback from people that live in smaller cities or towns, they actually don't really have the option to secondhand because they just don't have cool stuff. And um, there's also sizing issues as well. I remember um, I did a whole roundup of the best charity shops in Kensington. There's very, very impressive things. But the size run was very difficult. Um, and I went with an intern and she would uh, classify herself as plus size. And she was saying, most of these things don't fit me. So, you know, secondhand, of course, is best. There's no dispute. But I think it needs to not just be digitalized so that it's more accessible to everyone everywhere. But I think um, there needs to probably be a bit more of a focus on that as opposed to just rental or um, just vintage, like I guess the sexier faces secondhand. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm, I follow a lot of <laughs> secondhand luxury resellers, actually. I think I think all three of us probably do. <laughs> no, I don't. I only get. I need to branch out. I only shop on eBay. This is why I'm really angry that I don't have a pace campaign with eBay at any point in my life. <laughs> you are plugging for it. So much money on that bloody website. And I'm just like, oh, anyway, but I need to branch up because there are so many other reseller um, websites that I just don't use. And they're probably better because a couple of my pieces don't have like authentic authentication cards and stuff. I just know, done my research and I just know that they're authentic. Right. Um, I know, but yeah I think I need to start branching out so maybe after this share with me where you guys are buying your bags from because I have an addiction to bags <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that it's possible for people to shop more sustainably in high street stores so I'm talking like mainstream Zara H&M fast fashion yeah great British high street yeah um so this is really uh people don't agree with me but at the end of the day I really come from that school of thought that sustainability is your approach your individual approach and I also think everyone's on this personal journey to do better um and you know with that in context my answer is yes you can because shopping sustainably is actually just not shopping there's that uh because I know some people that promote secondhand shopping like no other, but they binge secondhand shop. So that's not actually better. That's not changing your mindset, right? You can binge shop secondhand polyester. It will still eventually somehow, some way end up in the landfill. Just not shopping is, is just ideal. <laughs> so when it comes to can you shop sustainably on the high street, you know, if that's one of your only options or even your most convenient option, but you're looking at buying, you know, one new basic t-shirt a year, and it just so happens to be from Uniqlo, H&M, Rive Island, wherever. And it is 100% cotton. And you're, you are trying to find the organic cotton or the recycled cotton. Like, why not? You've not bought anything else. 
You know, who's to say that someone is better just because they have better access to better stores? I just think that's kind of bullshit. So yes, you can shop sustainably, but when you do so, it's it's almost like it's almost like towing around for the forbidden fruit. You know, you've got to really know what you're doing and really just not be too tempted. Because, you know, when I say this, I completely understand that a lot of people who are just starting their interest in sustainability might take that as like license to, you know, think that H&M's conscious collection truly is sustainable and that it's totally okay to go buy the entire thing. Um, but then again, that really just comes down to your mindset. You've just, got to, you've just got to ask yourself, do I need this? What is my intention here? You know, um, but in short, it's possible. Oh my God, I love that. Do you know what? I am one of those people that I feel quite, a lot of the time, I feel a bit self-righteous in the fact that I'm not a shopper. So I don't often shop and I, I don't, overly consume I'd like to say but recently candy bags (laughs) well done but recently I don't know what's happened I think maybe it's like I'm like emotionally shopping feeling a bit of a void over this kind of like festive period and um I've been shopping quite a lot I've bought things and I'm like kind of shocked at myself at how much I've bought recently it's not a lot compared to like other people but for me it is and I was just, I sat back, my boyfriend just made a comment over the weekend about how much stuff I've got. And I was like, normally I'd be like, how dare you? But actually, he's right. And this this weekend I was like, I've gone back into my old habits. There's not, I'm not buying from fast fashion stores. A lot of them are from small businesses. You know, they do fall under the kind of conscious con- consumerism, but I'm still buying. And that goes against what my kind of, ideology is when it comes to sustainability so I just think it's really interesting it is a personal uh, battle it's a personal feat and we all do it in our own different ways that's to our personalities and our lifestyles but I think we also yeah go in waves in that like I've spent years I was saying to Bianca I need to buy some new heels because I haven't bought any since 2014 and the ones I've got they're just coming to their you know the end of their cycle which is fair they've had a good run and that for me is normal but now I'm buying yeah I've just bought like three dresses and a top and two bags and I'm like but well, first of all where am I going <laughs> where do you think we're going where am I going um to be fair we can go out for dinner now but I just have there's just so much there and it's quite interesting I have um this got really personal actually but I have um spoken to by rotation I'm gonna rent quite a lot of my pieces out now but um, yeah, I just think what you said is so spot on. It is very personal. It's to do with you and how you can, how you kind of like maneuver yourself through the world. Yeah, is how we would see sustainability. Also, um, one thing that's just been brought to mind because I know we're all on Instagram here. One thing I find very interesting is the idea of minimalism, because I'm, I'm not calling anyone out. I'm not throwing shade um, because they are my friends. <laughs> but- <laughs> I'm like the only one that dresses like um, how I dress like uh, but the, the interesting with minimal interesting thing about minimalism on Instagram as a trend is that you'll notice that they always have a new minimalist piece and every week the swipe up links are different 
and they might not even own it. So minimalism, I th- I'm pretty sure everyone knows what it is, but just for the purpose of just setting context, it's living with only necessities, right? Um, and it's the perception of that. And it just translates in our aesthetic on social media as elegant, timeless, you know, very chic. Actually, quite, it looks quite expensive as well. But when you look, right, when you actually look at the, not only the price points, but the provenance of these things that are, you know, giving off the minimalist aesthetic, it's completely contradictory to what it actually represents, um, which I think is quite funny. Um, and uh, it's it's crazy that fast fashion has managed to subvert something that stands against it. Yeah, we're actually all walking contradictions, and it's it is really funny, but also very sad. Um, I think we have because of the internet and the apps that we use and the social media platforms, we've created a culture and I feel like we need to take hold of said culture and shift quickly um and I'm really pleased to see things like the rental platforms really um like a lot of the big ones really being pushed and people like I've seen her and by rotation a lot of tv shows are borrowing pieces from them um and rather than you know pulling from shops or whatever wherever they're it's secondhand so that's really exciting to see and I hope that we see more of that um and it just becomes common practice but we need to see it I don't know I just think we need more and more reminder of the fact that these platforms exist and these things and similar type of things exist and we it's going to take a long time but something needs to happen so we can just progress this quicker because I'm quite worried with how as an example I know for a fact the reason why I'm shopping so much is because we're in a pandemic and there's nothing else to do and I have I'm lucky enough to have an income that I can afford to buy lots of things so I'm sure there's lots of other people in that position and just having an income because of fast fashion means you can afford to buy lots of things um so I'm just a bit worried what the results if we were to look at the world and data from this year compared to previous years in terms of shopping in terms of how much people are spending um on things that they actually do not need I know that this year would have contributed to so much more and it contributed to so much so many um unhealthy mindsets that will then progress into like normal lifestyle so that's interesting because one of the questions you guys asked me is whether I think you know because of the pandemic people going forward will learn to shop more sustainably or just be a bit more mindful about their purchases so what you've just said is that you don't think that that's the case, right? Because um, people kind of indulged themselves because... I personally don't think so. That's my personal opinion. Whereas I'm the opposite. And I think that a lot more people are coming out and saying to me that they are shopping less. Definitely people have bought a lot of crap that they didn't need. And I'm probably, I've probably done a few of those kind of purchases myself because we moved house so I've been buying stuff left right and center it's the idea that I think now before I spend any money I always really I become a lot more like considered with my purchases so everything I spend now I'm like do I really need this do I actually have to buy it do I need to have another thing in the house 
my thing is like vases. Do I need another vase? Hell no. I need to put that back. Um, so it's it's the idea of like, I think for me, a lot of people say that their 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 shopping habits have changed. A lot of people have said that they're now doing things like online window shopping rather than actually making the purchases. So they'll browse and see what's out there the same way they would have if they were going out to the shops and not actually spending the money. And I do think that people are becoming a lot more mindful with their how they spend and where they spend their money. Yeah, I agree. I think so. Well, I like to think that it will stick because, you know, it's it's one of those things that if you never shop, you never make the mistakes, if you're allowed to call it that, then you will never want to change because you'll think there's nothing wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. So it will. It does take something like um, a shopping spree that you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? To really kick you into gear. You know, some people need that. Um, and certainly for me, it got to the point where I was like, it's disgusting how much money I spend on clothes and accessories just to keep up with content. And um, I, I don't even do discount codes I don't even promote fast fashion I've probably accepted fast fashion gifting probably like six times in my life so like I was like what what the hell am I even doing this isn't, this isn't even me you know so for me that was kind of like my wake-up call and everyone's gonna have theirs some point or maybe they never will and you know they can be sustainable in different ways it doesn't have to be through fashion so I absolutely love your mindful Monday segments and this is why we asked you to come on because the way you go into fast fashion stores and talk about what nobody I feel like a lot of people don't even understand I think is so important so the fact that you're showing people the labels and the materials that things are made out of and in explaining what those materials do and whether or not it will biodegrade and all of this stuff is so important because we don't think about this as consumers ever so you're doing that job for us and I think that's really vital so like a massive round of applause for that because you're doing something that I haven't seen. I'm sure other people do it. I haven't seen it on my feed. So the fact that you're the person that's kind of teaching me makes me wonder how many other people you're like the sole provider <laughs> of, of like that lesson each week. So no pressure. <laughs> um, but anyway, so going back to your your Mindful Mondays, what are the three most important tips you can share with our listeners in terms of what to look for when they're shopping? Because you've, you're have you so great at just like breaking it down and I love your reels with your hands. Oh, I cringe so hard when there's no music and there's no text. Watching that back, I'm literally dying inside. I'm like, bitch, you're nearly 30. What are you doing? <laughs> um, right, so yeah, the three most important tips. Okay, um, I'm just gonna go with the real basics because I feel like some people that have watched my stories for like the, the whole year now have like graduated, you know, but let, let's go right to the basics. So when you're shopping, um, bear in mind three things. One, composition. So it does vary depending on what you're shopping for, because obviously you want to fit it within a price range and also a fast fashion or let's say a high street price range. So I would look for natural fibers only. That would just be ideal. However, when you're going to stuff like knitwear and coats, specifically coats, which are a very pricey item, um, you want to be looking at at least 50%. I would say, honestly, at least 70%. But you do see a price hike between those uh, that, that fabric composition. For example, 100% wool coat on the high street 
which is a pretty decent, you know, pretty decent brand, like something like a Jigsaw or a Whistles, you know, that's going to be about £300. So I, I can understand that that's a bit much for a lot of people, especially if you're just starting to buy sustainably and you're like, I just don't have the, I haven't saved up, I don't have the budget for that. Then fine, look for something 70%, you'd be looking at about £200. Um, and then 50%, you'd be looking again, like 100 to £200. Um, I know that's quite a wide range, but that's looking at everything from Massimo Duty to um, All Saints to Zara um, and other stories. That's kind of the price points you're looking at. So yeah, uh, one is composition. Second one is the detail and the, and the pattern. So the pattern is not a print. The pattern is the template of a garment. And the more complex it is, the more expensive it was to make. This is not to say you want to uh, milk the retailer for the best value item in the store um, this is not like the parallel example of you squeezing all the oranges to find the juiciest one at the supermarket it's it's more just understanding why you're paying that price because when you can understand that you're not getting good value you're probably not going to buy it anymore and um, how to look for good pattern is obviously first of all the fit so you'll find, for example, let's use uh, going out dresses or like uh, occasion wear dresses. The fit here is important because you'll see something like a dart on the bust. And that's like that little um, line where the boobs are. And that actually creates shape. And then the more details you see like that, panels, the more seams you see, right? And the more structure something has. I understand that that's not always the design, but the more seams you see, the more structure something has, the lining, all of this points to better quality. And a lot of people ask me, do my coats need to have a lining? Like, why do I? Why do my skirts need to have a lining? You know, back in the day when we were teenagers, I don't know if you remember, but skirts had lining. It just came with a lining. Trousers had a lining. Now trousers don't. Right, right. So that's quite revealing. And I think also the third thing, what to look for when you're shopping. Obviously, it's a bit of a cop-out, well, not cop-out, but it's a bit like snoozy to be like, do you need it? Anyone can justify that, right? Like the justifications you can co- you can come up with are just like amazing if you really, truly, really think you want something. So I think it's, would I, would I buy this if no one ever saw me in it? I think that's something more perhaps applicable to our generation or our times. If no, If you were not allowed to take a photo in that, do you still want it? Because the amount of reasons on Depop, I see, of people selling incredible things, especially pricey things, you know, like self-portrait, Rixo. Why did you buy it? Why are you selling it? Oh, I bought it um, for a photo. I bought it for a wedding, worn less than four hours. Worn it once, still got tags on it. You know, it's crazy. So I think um, people don't want to admit it, but that's a huge reason why people buy especially more expensive things so yeah if you can't take a photo in it do you still want it I love that that's so good um but yeah so let's talk about your sustainable face mask brand mm-hmm. Blur London so what has it been like creating a sustainable brand or even a brand in general during the pandemic um I actually thought about this in a car ride to my friend's birthday and when I got out I told her about it very excitedly and she pointed across the room and goes, Rosa is a fashion designer and she's not a net supporter anymore. Maybe you can do it with her. So I just literally went up to her and was like, do you want to start a brand together? 
And um, she came around the following day and a week later we had our masks. So an influencer on our first day of launching actually just reposted it to her stories. I didn't ask her to, um, she's actually really into sustainability, but she's one of those that um, people give her just a lot of shit basically because she also does a lot of swipe up links to fast fashion, but actually the way she lives is very, for no better word, conscious. So she actually, um, she actually gave us a shout out and we pretty much sold out the first two days because of that. So that was really amazing. Um, and then we just kept self-funding. Uh, I think one thing about building a brand or building any business is that people overthink it and actually you just learn on the job. And it frustrates me so much when I have such talented friends and such intelligent friends and let's say funding is not an option because I can tell you we started with 80 pounds between us. Yeah, um, there are so, uh, come on, this is like, forget about me, you know, having my social media platform to set up the website to cost 10, 10 pounds or like I think 14 US dollars. So seriously, there's no excuse. And um, it frustrates me when I have such amazing, talented friends and they're like, I really want to do something. I really want to do something, but I don't know what it is. And I'm like, what do you like? Nothing out there is original, okay? You cannot do anything better than anybody else. You know that myth where they say, if it's not original, it needs to be better than somebody else. You can't. I'm sorry, with what money? If you want to do something, do it and build it up to be better than the competition. You cannot just start with it. You're not in tech, okay? You're not starting a, a bank, you know, if we're talking like typical e-commerce, honestly, it, I think what it is, is is your true vision will make the product or the service better than what's out there. If it's really, really what you care about. So yeah, we started that. I think yeah, 80 pounds between us, sold out in the first two days, everything was handmade. So we were really struggling to keep up with demand. In the first month, I reached out to, I didn't want to reach out to my contacts who were like, ultra bougie, super, super luxury. Um, I wanted to reach out to the ones that I felt I could really connect with the founders and I wouldn't have to go through like three different layers of like their marketing director and the PR and like, you know, all of this. Um, so I reached out to this skincare brand called Planair. They're really very good. Their formulations are, you know, cruelty-free, vegan, ex exactly what you'd expect from a 2020, or sorry, 2019, that's when they launched Beauty Brand. But what's amazing is that right from the start, they've actually invested so much money into the mental health of teenagers and it's all, all their research. Their brand is basically founded on that research, what Gen Z basically want from a beauty brand. So I thought that was the perfect fit for us. Um, mask knee wasn't even really a thing, but uh, because Asia mask wearing is so prolific, it's, it's normal if you have a cold, an allergy, you just don't like air conditioning, you would wear a face mask. So, you know, from knowing about that, I realized that breakouts were a thing. So partnering with a skincare brand, especially one that cared so much about their customers, that was perfect for us. So we launched a collaboration with them and that's how we got some attraction from, so that didn't make sense. We attracted some retailers, like quite small retailers, and we just couldn't keep up with it because we were still making them from hand sorry by hand and we were still sourcing supplies independently you know even the way the face mask is made it sounds a bit unnecessary considering so many brands that you just buy them from china 
nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just not the route we wanted to go down. Everything was designed from scratch, including length of elastic, length of the nose wire, the pattern for it has a custom filter pocket. People don't really necessarily need that, but I think it's important if you're going to sell a product to do it properly, especially because you're really playing with people's health here. So that's how I started. That's how we got a ball rolling. And then just from my Instagram, we had a couple of wholesale buyers that wanted to um, kind of sell it themselves. So we were supplying to them and that's how we got funding. It wasn't so much the retail side because like I said, we couldn't even keep up with that. So that's kind of where we are now. And um, to me, there was no, there, there really should be no difference between starting a brand in a pandemic and starting a brand in normal life. There shouldn't be because why do you start a brand not to make money, but to serve a need, right? And whatever the need is, there will always be one. Yeah, I think um, it doesn't, you, I just think you have to look at the intent. I think so many people are so concerned about making money. But what makes a brand successful is not like actually selling out straight away. It's whether or not you've managed to keep to your core values the whole way through. And I see so many um, brands that start off sustainable or want to be sustainable and they're kind of doing the best they can. To be honest, it's very easy to be carbon neutral when it's just two people and you're making something out of a West London apartment. But um, when you scale up, that's when you really see the difficulties come into play. And um, not very many brands who are doing very well sustainably will share how they've scaled. And um, that's quite a big frustration. And another thing that I realized is you know, a lot of sustainable brands, uh, they are smaller and they're very, very, very protective about how they are sustainable. They're very pre- uh, protective about how they got their accreditations, who their suppliers are. They'll be like, it's a supplier in Portugal. Um, you know, everyone's paid living wage. Okay, fantastic. But how does another sustainable brand who's not really a competition because they're really producing something different, how do they also, you know, be sustainable? I think it's about providing other people with those resources and sustainable brands don't share that they're very secretive because and that tells me at at the core of it is about money making yes every business needs to make money I used to be like the biggest capitalist ever was like huge fan of Adam Smith but at the end of the day if you want to have a sustainable brand the money is a byproduct of you doing something bigger I just I'm not saying it has to be altruistic you have to balance it of course but that's something I've noticed. I actually had to get my friend uh, to go speak to a guy she wasn't speaking to on Hinge anymore to ask him where his friend, who has an organic loungewear brand, sources organic cotton from. Because like these are the lengths I had to go to to get one freaking address in the UK. Um, but the last question that we have for you is, if you could ask everyone to make one sustainable change, what would that be and why? Oh, well, that would obviously be pushing my agenda, right? Mm-hmm. Is, um, more fashion, geared toward fashion. So I don't know if it's for everyone. I don't ever want to make anyone subscribe to my mindset. It's something they've got to choose to be inspired by. But I suppose it would be to... I think, I think question 
your need for consumption, where does that come from? I had an article on my website written by actually a shopaholic and she just kind of self-medicated, went cold turkey and actually realized that it came from such an absence of spirituality, um, such an absence of of something. It's It came from neglect in childhood, came from needing something else. That's why I always say retail therapy is not cheaper than real therapy because I've done both. That's so good. Oh. Thank you so much for joining us. This was such a great conversation. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so lovely to speak to both of you. Amazing. And if we wanted to find you on social media and online, where should we look? So my handle is at Fleur Andrea um, and my brand is Fleur Rose London. No two R's, just the one R. And um, every Monday I do store reviews when possible because of lockdown, sometimes not possible at fast fashion and emerging designers every monday is on stories which reminds me i have to go do a review i was like oh yeah it's monday (laughs) 